Hey everybody, welcome to the Geek Generation. I am your host, Rob Logan. Recently at Anime Boston, I met one Mr. Jonathan Tuttle, uh, who after a brief conversation, I realized had a lot of the same geeky interests that I do. And he also has a geek-centric website that he started fairly recently. Uh, that website is geeksforthewin.com, and you can check that out and see what John's been working on. I'm going to let him explain what the website's all about as we get into the interview today. But before we get into that interview, just a quick reminder. If you are an Amazon shopper, you can help support the show and the website by going to thegeekgeneration.com slash Amazon. When you go to that website, it will take you to the front page of Amazon where you can just do your shopping as normal. And when you do, we'll get a small kickback from Amazon to help us keep things running over here. It's no additional cost to you. You're just shopping as you always would. Again, that's thegeekgeneration.com slash Amazon, and we appreciate your support. So let's hop right into the interview with Geeks for the Win founder, Jonathan Tuttle. One of, one of the things, uh, obviously, you're big into the geek culture and whatnot, and I'm curious what your kind of geek origins are, because we're roughly the same age. Yes. So we have a lot of... Uh, we, we are, aren't we? Uh, I would say my geek origins probably started uh, with Transformers. Yeah? I, I would say mid-80s. Transformers, Optimus Prime, Generation One, yeah, rocking it out, and then it's hilarious to me that they actually have to call it Generation uh, One now. They should call it Generation the Only One. Yes, uh, and then I, I think I continued that stem with uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Love Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles so um, much, and I learned actually back uh, when I was about twelve is when I went to my first comic book convention mm -hmm. and I saw, you know, Eastman and Laird's Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles oh, wow. original comic book. And I was like, this is where they came from. This is awesome. I need to buy so I actually have still a box full of most of the old comics. Okay. You know, sitting. I don't have issue number one, unfortunately, but I have as early as issue number four, which if you played the original NES game, mm -hmm. oh yes, that's the cover that the, <laughs> never the, passed the water well, level. Though. You, you, who, who, <laughs> let me tell you, it, certain old NES games, when when you finally do beat as an adult, and you have to be an adult, at the, yeah, yeah, it, you, it's like jumping for joy. Like beating Mike Tyson is like a celebration. Oh, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, you actually beat the original NES Ninja I, Turtles as I have, well? I've beaten the original Ninja Turtles. I've beaten Mike Tyson. I. I, I, you, again, as an adult, you get to a point where you're like, I'm going to beat that motherfucker. Right, because it owned me back. for so many years. <laughs> wow, I, I haven't really gone back and kind of attempted all the games that bested me in my youth. If if you want to put together a good Twitch feed, that would be it. That Actually, you're right. You know, go back and let's see if you can beat all the old, old games. There's going to be a lot of swearing in that oh feed. <laughs> Make sure you're plenty liquored up. I don't know what the... the the rule is for drinking while being on Twitch, but <laughs> I think it should be a requirement. <laughs> so uh, Transformers, Ninja Turtles, uh, what, what else were kind of like the the genesis? Transformers, Ninja Turtles, I'd say uh, Super Nintendo probably became the height. Mm -hmm. I mean, even to this day, I would arguably say that Super Nintendo is the best. 100% agree. The, the best video game system ever. Yes. Made. I mean, just, you know... The U.S. version of Final Fantasy 2 II and 3, Chrono Trigger, Super Mario World. I, I had thought about doing an article uh, uh, comparing, you know, Sega Genesis mm -hmm. and Super Nintendo and going month by month so that, you know, as a kid, when these were coming out, which games did you really have good options to? Sure. And I started going through the Super Nintendo list and you're like, oh, my God. Almost like every other month, they're coming out with something that today I consider classic. Today, I could still go back, pick up, and be like, this is a gem. Yeah. So. The uh, Super Star Wars games. Oh. Unbelievable. <laughs> it took us until, uh, I would say, the TIE Fighter X-Wing series for yes. PC. And Amazing. And Rogue Squadron mm -hmm. to be able to top those games. Yeah. And th those are like you know, years. Oh apart. yeah. Yeah. So, and as much as, uh, movie games kind of get a bad rap at being very poor to adapt, I feel like there were so many good adaptations back in the day. Now it's rare. Like you get the Arkham series is amazing, but aside from that, most licensed properties are still pretty terrible. Yeah, I, I agree. I think now they're starting to understand though, you've got to make a good game. Mm -hmm. 
and mend the license with it. Like the the best one I've probably played in years was uh, Shadows of Mordor. I've heard amazing things, and I'm dying to play it. Oh, my God. Whatever you're playing right now is not as good as that game. Um, Between, I mean, even, I was excited for it even before it originally came out. Uh, The the Nemesis system Mm -hmm. is definitely one of those features that should revolutionize video games. Mm -hmm. I mean, getting attached to your enemy that then has a personality and screws you over and then later you have to go find and fight them it, it, it's just a cool feature right um it's kind of like i used to work at uh, gamestop years ago and i had this one customer that would come in and talk about one of my other favorite games which is civilization 2 mm-hmm. and to him he was like the french the french are bastards they screw me over every time you know his story about how he played the game was much different how i played the game mm-hmm. and his enemies started to have a lot of personality to him that I didn't see because it was, you know, the way it generated out. And that's kind of what Shadows of Mordor sure. touches upon. Early Nemesis. Yeah. yeah. Early, way early Nemesis. Yeah. Civilization was uh, an RTS, right? Turn-based. Turn-based. Very long oh, wow. turn-based. I wow. Mean, yeah, you're spending lots of hours. And it's addictive, too. You know, I, I hear Hearthstone is addictive. Mm-hmm. This is addictive. I didn't get into Civilization, but I was a big Command & Conquer guy. Love Command & Conquer. Yeah, I spent many a night on the modem in high school. <laughs> <laughs> that and Duke Nukem 3D. Oh, my God. Did you ever play Command & Conquer Soul Survivor? I didn't, no. It was terrible. Was it? <laughs> was that the first-person shooter one? No, that was that was Renegade. This was. That's right. They, they took the RTS game, and they were like, we're just going to give you one unit. And you have to play online oh, versus no. everybody else. Oh no! With one unit, and and that was back when like <laughs> you still had dial-up, so it was just an awfully failed experiment. It's ambitious. It's 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 you know it. <laughs> I, I would say if if there was a like definitive route to what League of Legends and everything like that is now, mm-hmm. I think that's the kind of idea yeah. that they had, but they couldn't really bring that to its fruition until. You know, oh yeah, now. internet connection speed wasn't even up to par. No, no. I I I, I had, was an early adopter uh for Planetside, which was a okay, yeah, the first MMO first person shooter. Mm-hmm. And you still had people who didn't quite have broadband yet trying to play. <laughs> and it looked like bad. their characters just had the ability to teleport really right, well. Right, <laughs> you could just teleport, which which started to become a feature of being able because you know uh, uh, an enemy aircraft would come in at you and start firing rockets, mm-hmm. and you'd glitch yep. back and forth and dodge all the rockets. <laughs> Every character is Nightcrawler all of a sudden. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> Did you um get into the the heavy computer side like coming up with uh like I had a Commodore sixty four and playing stuff on that when I was little. I I didn't get big into the Commodore or the Amiga or any of those. But like today, if you ask me, I'm hugely a PC gamer. Mm -hmm. Like PlayStation 4 or Xbox One, I haven't even looked at yet because I have a PC. It plays everything awesome. And the exclusive list for those two systems just don't impress me enough Mm -hmm. to be like, here's my video card worth of money for like three games. Yeah. I mean, I love Killer Instinct. I have a Killer Instinct arcade machine sitting in my basement. Do you? I do. Oh, and, it's a great game. Oh, I love it. Back when Super Nintendo came out with a modem. Uh-huh. Do you remember? Did I you ever do. See the X-Band modem? I had it, and I was playing Killer Instinct. So um, I absolutely love that game. And, you know, the new one is for, for Xbox, mm-hmm. and it looks phenomenal. I played a little bit of it, and it's, it seems really, really great. But I still can't convince myself. I just... <clears throat> There's not enough push. No. And no, it is It is all about the games. It's all about the exclusives. And yeah, there's a lot of other amazing stuff that it can do. But that's, as gamers, we just want the games. That's all we care about. No, and I have I have a Wii U. Oh, yeah? You know, and, and, and I mean, for Mario Party, Mario Kart, anything like that alone, you, you get a couple of people over, a couple of drinks, and you have a shit show. Right. It's awesome. Right. <laughs> That's all you need, really. <laughs> well, the 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 thing that's interesting, and maybe you're running into this too these days, is uh, the whole local multiplayer versus online multiplayer. Because mm-hmm. it's not, I, I I do not get the same satisfaction playing yep. an online multiplayer game with strangers that I did sitting next to my buddies on the couch 
when I could actually like play, throw an elbow at him, right? Like, keep going. So I have I have two stories to this. Yeah, packs this past year. My brother and I again were. He's just a couple years younger than I am. We're old school gamers. We mm-hmm. went to the arcade. We played next to each other. So at PAX, they had that arcade. So he went over to Street Fighter, and I went over to Mortal Kombat because that was our respective games. Sure. And we trashed through the entire arcade. I mean, we were like 30, 40, 50 wins in a row. And they just kids that, number one, didn't have the same experience, but number two, weren't used to the trash talk. Sure. So you, you you throw a little bit in there and they get all messed up or laugh or giggle or whatever. And it's one thing to hear it like over a microphone into your headset. Oh, over the microphone. Most of the time it's some, you know, 10 year old little kid. Don't do that. You know, right, you're like, right. yeah, whatever. Right. Okay. <laughs> and then uh, I did an interview uh, not that long ago with uh, the guys who made this game called Crawl, mm-hmm. which is for the PC. And that's exactly what it is. It's four player side by side there's no mo- there's no online multiplayer um one person is the hero mm-hmm. and it's it's like a top down dungeon crawler okay one person is the hero the other three people control the monsters oh and when the monster gets the last hit on the hero that person becomes the hero that's cool so games will only take you about you know 30 to 45 minutes to to beginning to end to beat, mm-hmm. but you have a grand time, and and you know the people in the room, someone isn't suddenly AFK, right? You know, it's they go to the bathroom, and too bad you're gonna screw them over. Yeah, yeah. It was is it a split screen kind yeah, of game. It's, it's it's like it's like four swords or um like uh, or gauntlet. It's like a gauntlet. Okay, top down, everybody's on the same. Oh, screen. so you see everybody everywhere. So you see everybody. And wow, it's great. That's cool. And the the way it kind of works is, um, like, let's say you cleared the room full of monsters. Everybody's a ghost. Uh-huh. So the one person who's the player, they can go into the next rooms, and the ghosts will take over uh, these spell casts on the floor that turn into monsters. And if there's one player that, you know, is in the bathroom or doing whatever, uh, the ghosts just can take over more monsters. So they get killed, they take over another monster, get killed, take over another monster. That's cool. You just keep on going. So the gameplay is always going, not waiting for anybody, okay. which is wonderful. That's intriguing. It's really good. I really recommend yeah. it. Yeah. Oh, God. And you don't, you don't see the, uh, the local multiplayer split screen anymore. Like, I remember playing Goldeneye with people and just, <laughs> it was the dick thing to do was to look at someone else's <laughs> screen to find out where on the map they were. Uh, and oddly enough, I just got today, I forget, oh, I forget what the game is called, but I got a press release about a game that, that is the intention because uh, all the characters are invisible uh, and you incredible. have to look at your friends screen to try and figure out where in the map they are huh to even target them that's 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 pretty brilliant yeah i, I remember uh what was odd job you couldn't no one in the room was allowed to be odd job <laughs> he was, was too un- good he was unnecessarily short or something yeah weird. it was hard to hit him and yeah. he had the hat that yeah. he could throw in addition to any weapons that he had with him so it was totally unfair <laughs> that was a great game <laughs> so much time wasted you know that's another thing that I don't understand really uh, about the the general Twitch market right now is that, you know, all these people, <clears throat> a lot of them play the newest, best, biggest game. Mm-hmm. Break out some of the old stuff. Absolutely. I, I mean, if if you're if you're a, a <clears throat> you know Twitch person trying to build yourself an audience, y- you break out some of that old stuff, and 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 you'll definitely you'll build something fun. I mean, one of the things. Uh, I'm planning to do with with the site is eventually we will definitely do a, a Twitch broadcast, and each Twitch feed is gonna have a theme to it. Mm-hmm. And one of the ones that my brother and I have talked about is doing a co-op or verse theme where we pick. It, it doesn't have to be a modern day game. It can be in. It could be Goldeneye. Right. Perfect example. Goldeneye. Right. Right. You get four people in a room playing Goldeneye and just going at it. I mean. Just thinking about some of the memories of Goldeneye is hilarious, let alone now you have a broadcast of the mayhem that's certain. Right, right. How can it not be entertaining? Oh, my God. Yeah. Versus everybody sitting at their own computers. Like, I'll I'll stream occasionally with some of my friends that are all in different locations. Sure. And we'll play a game that's like co-op or versus each other or whatever, and it's... It, it is not the same. There is some sort of detachment. Like, when you can look your enemy in the <clears throat> eye... That's a whole different level. Yes, it's a whole different <laughs> level. I mean, it's still fun either way, but there is a detachment to it. Right. 
I agree. Were you primarily a gamer or uh, are you big into like movies and TV? And I, I'm big into too. movies and yeah. TV. I feel like it comes with the territory. My first, it has to. My yeah. first job was working in a movie theater. Yeah. As, as an usher. And it was the year that uh, I think is one of the better years for movies. It was 19, was it 97? Must have been 97. It was the year Titanic came out, mm-hmm. Goodwill Hunting, Con Air, Face Off, Austin Powers, Star Wars had just been re-released, uh, Fifth Element came out. You know, that was all a these, good year. That was a good year. That was a good year. So, you know, you, you for for kids 16 years old, you're running around cleaning theaters and just checking out snippets of just awesome movies. Yeah. It was a great job. Yeah. If anybody is listening to this that's 16, get that job. <laughs> I was a lifeguard when I was 16. There wasn't any <laughs> movies well, playing. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> there would be girls, right? Oh, yeah. There were girls. There were girls at the theater, too. Yeah. <laughs> uh, did you get the... My brother did the, the movie theater usher thing for a while, too, and he was allowed to see so many movies for free a week as a result, and we often went with him. So there were times I was seeing movies two or three times. That year... Uh, you can see unlimited movies. Mm-hmm. I saw 144 different movies, <laughs> let alone how many times I saw, you know, because at the end of the year, they put up this big board. They were like, count how many movies you've seen this year. Yeah, and I yeah. sat and counted 144. I was like, wow, there's nothing else to do as a 16 year old kid. <laughs> do, do you have one of those movie passes? Uh, no, I haven't done that because oddly enough, I still don't go enough to uh, make the most of that, but I'll go. Like every other week, at I, least. I I had it for a while, and for six months I was banging them out. Yeah, and I'm glad I don't have it now because for months movies have kind of sucked. Yeah, <sighs> there's probably an obligation you feel to use it too when you have it. Well, when it's free, you're like, oh, I might as well. Yeah, are you talking about like the movie pass, the service movie pass, the service? Okay, movie yeah, pass. Yeah, 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 the red card. Yes, yes. It's a good idea. It is. It's if great someone idea. goes that often. Well, that's the thing is that when after you've worked at a movie theater and you become this little movie theater watching addict. Yeah. It's hard to give up. Yeah, yeah. I at this point have kind of gone through like all the all the channels to get as many free screenings as I can. So they, they, it's so weird. Like they'll come in every now and then. And there'll be a dry spell for like months. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, like four or five of them will drop within a couple weeks time. It's very strange. Right. Yeah. I think, uh, the most recent thing I watched that I liked was probably, uh, Fast Seven. Fast oh, yeah. Fast Seven. Yep. I mean, y- you know, if you want something that's just like crazy action and cars and stuff like that. And then they did a wonderful tribute to Paul Walker mm-hmm. at the end. That's it. You know, it's just fun popcorn movie. Nothing, yeah. nothing too deep. But you know that going in. But you know like that going in. If that's what you want, that's right. your flavor. That, right. That's that. That's it, it. But like, other than that, I feel like you know, Avengers is the next big, big thing, and it, it has been for like months. Absolutely. And I'm, I'm a horror movie junkie that normally sees like every even bad horror movies. I'll go and see, and even that for months, I haven't seen anything. No. I'm terrible. That's a bummer. I plan on doing the uh, the full marathon. On the day the Avengers oh. comes out. I did it last time. Really? We sat down at 9.15 in the morning, and I had a schedule planned out with, like, 15-minute intermissions in between every movie. Uh-huh. And we did that. We took an hour for dinner and then went to the theater for, like, 10 o'clock at night and saw the Avengers. So we hit every movie in order of Phase 1. I'm going to do it with Phase 2, which is actually easier because there's one movie less. Mm-hmm. And then I think uh, they're showing Age of Ultron at, like, 7.30 or something around here. I, I think... I, I swear I saw somewhere around here that they're going to show all the movies. They are the doing it like, an, but they're doing like an 11 hour phase one, phase two marathon over the course of a weekend. That's nuts. That's, that's a lot. I don't have that kind of commitment. No. <laughs> At least not in a movie theater. Like when I'm home and I'm eating my own food. Right. You can do other things. Yeah. You know? In the comfort of my house. That's yeah. fine. I'm not going to go to a movie theater and blow how much money on food while I'm there. Yeah. Yeah, it's a little much. Oh God, theater theater food is the so expensive and, yeah. and not that good quality. And I remember working at the theater. You know, part of the things you had to say was, you know, for fifty cents more, you can get the larger size. Yeah, which will guarantee that you are going to be pissing throughout the entire climax of the movie. <laughs> You're welcome. Yeah, you said you worked at a uh, GameStop too. Yes. I'm curious, what kind of uh, benefits does that? 
give somebody who is into uh, video games that much because I've, I've never worked retail for something that I like love. Oh, God. I only work things that I love or at least try to. Yeah. Um, so I started working at GameStop back when it was Babbage's. Hell yeah. Uh, so that's it's been a while. And at the time, this may not be the case now, but at the time, first of all, you got a 25% discount off of everything except consoles. That's systems. huge. Huge. But that's not even the best benefit. You could take out or basically rent for free mm -hmm. any game for four days. So as long as it wasn't new and it was selling out or something like that, yeah. you were like, I didn't spend any money on games. I just spent money on accessories. You guys had like an employee library or were those games that you brought back and then were sold? Uh, they could have been used. They could have been okay. open copy. They could have been anything. Yeah. You get good enough at shrink wrapping that you would <laughs> never be able to tell that anything was touched. Right, right. And if it works fine, then who really cares or, anyway? Hey, that's pretty much it. It's that's not like games it. back then were coming with DLC codes in them. No, no, not like it is today. No. No. Do you think that's a good thing, having all this access to updating and adding on? And I think if done right, uh, DLC is the is an extension of, you know, they used to do expansion packs. Mm-hmm. I think it's in some cases a good idea, but I've seen other cases where it is literally ruining gaming. Mm -hmm. um, two perfect examples. I didn't play it, but Mass Effect 3, I know basically the ending to the game. Because people whined too much. That was the dumbest thing they could have done. Yeah. Um, there's a game recently that came out, uh, and the name now escapes me, the one with the giant monsters. And it's it's... Done by the people who uh, made Left for Dead. It's um, it's four people versus a giant monster. And I can't, oh, I can't evolve, evolve. Yes. So I was actually going to buy evolve. Mm -hmm. th th this is how bad it affected me. Yeah. And I started reading the reviews on Steam, and everybody started complaining about how much downloadable content you had to purchase afterward in order to have basically the full experience of the game. And I, I looked at that and I said, I don't care how good it is, I'm not interested. Mm. And it's not like I I don't have the money. It's just. Just based on principle, I I won't do it. I've certainly done that. Uh, the Street Fighter Cross Tekken controversy mm -hmm. that was a big thing. Capcom is notorious for this. I love Capcom's games mm -hmm. as like a general thing. Sure, but uh, Street Fighter Cross Tekken came out and they had DLC that you purchased, but all you were purchasing was an unlock code to unlock stuff that was on the disc. Wow. So you weren't even downloading anything extra. Now, back in our day, those would have been unlockable characters, not things that you had to buy to access. Like DLC, the intent is add on later. Mm -hmm. If you have plans to make these characters and you want to release the game now, but you don't have the budget or you don't have the time to add them in yet. That's DLC. That makes sense. If they're on the disc you bought, yeah, that's a problem. So on principle, I didn't buy that until it was available as a full package. Yeah, that's that's not right. Yeah, I, it just you know the thing is is nowadays it, nothing's a physical copy mm -hmm. all that often. It's not like you know back in the 16-bit days they came out with Sonic the Hedgehog and they were like. Well, we're coming out with this expansion cartridge called Sonic and Knuckles. Yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> you had to get a whole other game. Yeah, you had to get you had to get a whole other game. And it yeah. Stuck sticking out. Of I mean, system. I love DLC for the fact that they can fix broken stuff. Oh sure. Because sometimes a game would come out and there would be some glitch that totally threw it off. Especially like the uh, if it was a fighting game and there was an exploit that someone could use, it could make the game just unplayable. Absolutely. And, and a lot of the companies put a lot of work into what they're doing behind the scenes. Mm -hmm. Like, uh, for example, Valve is one of those companies that they have heat mapped every level of all their games that you're playing online. Really? So that they can determine, you know, where the clusters are, where is people hanging out so that when they do revisions or they come up with new levels... They can refine it. That's cool. And that's that's brilliant. That's 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 what I want to see. Yeah. But this whole we already made it and we're gonna charge you more money for it. The game's not really sixty bucks anymore. It's really a hundred and twenty bucks. Yeah. And I think that's one of the big reasons why indie game developers are on the rise mm -hmm. is they're giving you a quality product that they put their heart and soul in for 
15 bucks. Mm -hmm. I'll take it. Exactly. I'll buy like 10 games. I'll take it. So in that vein, you said you're a PC gamer. Do you these days kind of tend more towards the AAA titles? Are you playing more indie games? I am probably playing more indie games, although I'll, I'll play an occasional AAA title. But most AAA titles <clears throat> nowadays, you, you pick up, and because you know the formula and format that you're going to get force-fed, mm -hmm. you're not as eager or excited to pick it up, or at least I'm not. Mm. Whereas the indie game, it's like, what is this? This is something different. This is something unique and new. Yeah. I really want to try this out. But I can be easily suckered into remakes. So, for example, the Homeworld Collection. Mm -hmm. Which, by the way, is is probably one of the best remakes of any game ever. Yeah. Oh my god. Uh, they 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 did a phenomenal job. Gearbox did a phenomenal job with the source material. They changed what they needed to. They updated the graphics, but everything looks and still feels like Homeworld. Uh, they fixed a couple of things here and there, and it's awesome. It's worth every penny. It's like thirty bucks. Mm -hmm. Gives you Homeworld one and two. It's perfect. Fable. On the other hand, they did the same thing to Fable. And not so much. Yeah. I played through it because, again, I said I'm a sucker, but um, not not worth the money. No. No. When you can buy the original version on PC for, you know, 10, 15 bucks versus $30 for the anniversary remastered sure, collection, sure, sure. buy the old version. I like the trend of the remastering. Like, there are games that it's not as necessary for. Like, I played some of the God of War remastered. Mm -hmm. I love the Kingdom Hearts remastered ones. Mm -hmm. And I'm especially excited about Day of the Tentacle is getting remastered, the old LucasArts game. Uh, I've, I've never played it. Oh, it's from uh, Tim Schafer. It was the sequel to Maniac Mansion. Oh, okay. But I loved that game in high school so much. But the problem is, even if I were to buy it now, there's no way to play on modern computers. No. You had to boot that thing up in DOS. No, no, that's, that's it, you know, Command and Conquer. We were talking about Command and yeah, Conquer yeah. earlier. That's, you know, I, I tried booting that up. Uh, very recently, the first one, yeah. it, was, it just ran so like <laughs> you just couldn't. You're just like this is this is unplayable. Right, right. But games like that, that there's no other way to play them, and now we're gonna get them, and they're gonna look nicer too, and maybe have better voiceover. And well, that's that's worth it, aren't they? Aren't they redoing Grim Fandango as well? It's out now. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll, the old adventure games could definitely get some spit shine and mm. polish. I, I think they definitely benefit from it because too. I mean, that's like watching. A, a really good old movie again, you know, totally high def. Yeah, yeah. I'll take it. I'm so happy that the point and click genre has come around and Telltale is really like getting major franchises behind them. Because growing up, those were like my favorite genre of games. They Telltale. Have you played through the the episodes of The Walking Dead? I've played through one. I have the whole first two seasons okay. that I got like review codes for, but I'm not going to spoil it, <laughs> but. The the second Walking Dead game is and, and Robert Kirkman, the, the creator of the series, prefaced this by saying, you know, we want you to get emotional with our games mm -hmm. because that's what the, the comic book, that's what the series is like. Um, and there is a scene. And again, I won't spoil it where they kind of flash back to the first game. Tears streaming <laughs> and you're watching or I was watching and I was like, right. you son of a bitches you had to go there. <laughs> Tears streaming. But I mean, it's so good to say at the same time that video games are doing that now. Oh, absolutely. Because they were always fun. But uh -huh. the the emotional level and the storytelling that they're taking them to these days is just phenomenal. Do you remember the first time a game not uh, gave you like an emotional excitement? And I don't mean like excitement like, yeah, I beat the game. I mean, like you right. got an emotional response from the game. Oh, the first time? Man, I, I know mine right off tough. the bat. What is it? Mine was Final Fantasy three. Well, Final Fantasy VI in Japan uh -huh. for Super Nintendo, and it was the scene where um, Celis threw herself off a cliff, like she was trying to commit suicide because the world was in ruin and everything was terrible. Yeah, and I was definitely like, as a kid, like tearing up. Yeah, the one that comes to mind, and it, at least memory-wise, this yeah. is what I'm thinking. Uh, there was a, another LucasArts point-and-click game called The Dig. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you ever played no. it. It's, it was uh, produced by Steven Spielberg, which was the big uh -huh. like uh -huh. selling point of the game. Basically, you are an astronaut. Uh, 
in charge of a small team. You're on an alien planet. Their civilization is all died out at mm. this point. You're, it sounds so fucking boring to describe, <laughs> but I promise you it was fun. Uh, your job is to basically like put together the story of their civilization through all these puzzles that you find and uh, tablets that you read and you kind of build it all up. But you also see like ghosts of these aliens kind of come in. There's one that like kind of helps you out as you go along that starts following you around. And like when you piece together the final story, it's like really emotional. And uh, yeah, it's an older game that I probably could spoil, but I'm not, I just don't want to because that might come back around too. <laughs> who knows? <laughs> And uh, it, it was it was just it like hits you hard. Like all of a sudden you're like, wow, this whole civilization, like for this reason. And it was pretty amazing. Yeah. I, but I think it's those longer gameplay type things that aren't just action, action, action. Like yeah. An RPG for you as well. I, I, yeah. I, you know, even now I, I feel like, you know, I'll do an action game here and there, but I, I'd like something with a little bit more content, a little story. Yeah. It doesn't even have to be long. I mean, take a look at Portal. Yeah three hours long maybe if you suck yeah you know <laughs> and it's phenomenal yeah oh, and so. portal 2 like phenomenally oh, entertaining hilarious game yeah. amazing gameplay and i always uh there was a lot of complaints when south park came out and people are playing through it in maybe like 10 hours or so mm-hmm. but hands down one of the funniest like the newest one the right, rpg right. stick of truth one of, if not the funniest games I've ever played in my life. Like, I'm, I don't know how often I laughed out loud at video games and South Park. I'm laughing out loud, like the whole friggin' time. There are levels. There's a level where you're inside of a character's butt. That's, That's awesome. the level. And it's just like, <laughs> what the hell is going on right now? It's so amazingly funny. And the length doesn't matter if the quality is there. No, the length definitely doesn't matter if the quality is there. I mean, as long as. I mean, I think I'd be pretty pissed of paying, you know, 60 or $70 for a three-hour-long game. Right, right. But at the same time, if you go back to 8-Bit Nintendo or Super Nintendo days, some of those games weren't that long. No. And you'd pay about that I much. I think people forget that. Yeah. I mean, there was a reason why back then games had to be hard. Yes. Now they don't have to be so hard. And they weren't holding your hand to get through. No. There were no checkpoints. It was you start that whole level over, Mega oh, Man. Oh, my God. You do it. Oh, I miss Mega Man. I I'm love looking it. forward to Mighty Number no. 9. I am, too. I'm a backer, for yeah, sure. Really? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I love Kickstarter. Oh, that's brilliant. Oh, I think I've backed, like, 15 things at this point. I haven't, I haven't backed too much, but I do find myself constantly on it. Like, what, what do we get today? Yeah. There's exciting stuff on there all the time. All the time. There is, like, I've seen it work phenomenally to create things. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've also been frustrated by it. Like, mm-hmm. there's still something that's over two years late, their projected point. At, so I probably put in money three or four years ago, which is probably, like, when Kickstarter started. Right. And I'm still waiting on this thing that hasn't arrived. Meanwhile, there are others, like... The, the Veronica Mars movie that came out, I backed that. That was great. The Reading Rainbow thing. How can you not? Well, yeah, LeVar Burton. How can, how can you say no to him? And no. his like, his like speech when they finally hit the first milestone was just endearing and he tears. And yeah. You're just like, have some more money. Yeah. <laughs> just <laughs> take <okay>. it all. <laughs> Your tears are like dollar magnets. Oh my God. It's That's ridiculous. So and he's the nicest guy ever. I met him too last year. Really? Holy crap. What? Oh, like I, I've, I've talked about it on the show a little bit before, but he, Jordy LaForge is my favorite character mm-hmm. from any TV show hmm. ever. Like, and I don't even know it's just because of his character. Like, he's my favorite character on my favorite show. Therefore, he is ah. like the top of the mountain for me. So I met him and like I told, like, I don't get starstruck too much sure. anymore. Sure. But in his presence, I was like, huh. and <laughs> one of the things, one of the things I always have to like get up the courage to do. And I try to gauge the, the celebrity's mood when I do is I ask them to do bumpers for the podcast, like mm-hmm. a quick ID. And he was like, I, I never do this, but I can tell you're such a big fan. I'm like, Goo! and he recorded one. And I was like, oh, my God, <laughs> like I was just going to crawl into a hole and die right there. That's awesome. It was amazing. That's awesome. I think by. That you telling me that story brings me to mind that episode where Jordy and um, Scotty 
we're on it together. Yeah. And Scotty goes, the, the captain asked you how long it's going to take you to do that. And what'd you tell him? And Jordy's like, four hours. And, <laughs> yeah. and Scotty's like, how long is it really going to take you? He's like, four, four hours. hours. He's like, no. You never tell him how long it's actually going to take. <laughs> exactly. And Scotty used to do that all the time. Yeah. Yeah. It was... You want him to think you're a miracle worker. <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, <laughs> That's a great episode. That was a great episode. Yeah. Yeah. Which is even more meaningful now, though. We don't uh, have yeah. James Doohan around anymore. But yeah. Interestingly, too, uh, thinking of conventions and stuff, I remember seeing a post on your page about how you worked Anime Boston this year and made yes. a recommendation that anybody who's into conventions works on the other side. And I'm curious, like, what your experience was. So, first and foremost, Anime Boston is probably, like, the most well-oiled machine uh, of a convention I've ever seen. It is very well done. Um, if they have a problem one year, they have figured out, even before that year is over, how to fix that problem for tomorrow let alone next year yeah yeah that's Uh, rare yeah that's that's really rare and it's because like the entire staff is really into anime i mean it's almost the entire staff is all volunteer Mm -hmm. so my experience there was really good you you get to meet an awesome group of people which for most geeks we're kind of introverted Mm. So we're not exactly running up to random people. I mean, I will run up to ra- I ran up to you. I, r- I will run up to random people. <laughs> yeah, and be like, yeah. Hey, how's it going? Uh, but you know, I've learned over the years to to be a little more uh, of an extrovert. So you have people that you're working with, which are all into the same thing that you are, which is really fantastic. There's only so many hours I can spend at a convention mm-hmm. before I'm like, I kind of want to do something else. Sure. On top of that, the perks were phenomenal. So you have, first of all, you have a staff badge where you can walk anywhere. Mm-hmm. Exhibit hall not open. It's open for you, <laughs> you know? Uh, um, so I didn't have to wait for, for any line of anything. I mean, I, I worked all the days, but when I wasn't working, I went and saw what I wanted sure. to see. They set you up in a hotel room. Oh. Yeah. That's a huge perk. I, I mean, you're with other people that volunteered, but they don't want you going home. Right. They want you to be fresh in there for the convention. So that alone sure. was awesome. I mean, to roll out of bed and look out and there's Boston, you're like, I'm going to get a coffee and head over to the con. Right. And they fed you. Every day they gave uh, two gift vouchers to say, you know, go eat. Mm-hmm. It was from the food court, but it was something. Pretty phenomenal. And then at the end of it all, they threw us a party across the street at King's. Cool. Which was epic. And then they closed the whole place down. It's just us. Mm-hmm. You have to have a badge to get in. And uh, it was a lot of fun. I mean, everything about my experience was a good time. And if you're a regular con goer, pick a con to try to see if you can volunteer or work for and see the experience from the other side. I think it just breaks up the day a lot better. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's only so many times I can walk around the same hall before I'm like, I, I still want to be here and do right. stuff, but there's nothing I really want to look at right now. So, right, right. A- and you're in a position where you can suggest things for next year that perhaps your voice will carry a little more weight. Mm. I mean, yeah, everybody says, you know, we listen to the fans and stuff like that. But when you're standing next to the decision maker of the con and you're like, I think we should do this. It's a little more weight than, you know. When he can Forbes, actually hear your right, voice. Forbes yeah. post, I'm going to control what I want. So that that was that was great. I, I, I really recommend it. I will probably start to volunteer for many more conventions other than PAX. Mm-hmm. PAX I enjoy so much as a, as a con goer. Sure. That I'm usually there at like 8 or 9 o'clock and don't leave again until 10 o'clock. Like all the whole weekend Hmm. and i pretty much crash out at the end but there's just so much to see and do and people to talk to and games to try and play that i just i'm a kid in the candy store yeah yeah so i get frustrated with waiting in line for a lot of stuff uh as far as playing games at pax goes i actually had a blast at pax this year yeah but i also went in with an agenda like i usually go to these things as press yeah so i usually have like i'm on a mission right and that's that's what i'm doing especially like new york i have appointments scheduled and stuff right, right. and i missed the uh press registration for pax this year oh. like i looked it up i was like 
it's still like six months before this thing. They closed press registration already. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. Yeah. But PAX is very, uh, very particular too. They have the most grueling press application That's process I've that I've seen. Yeah. 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 I usually just skip the biggest names at the con. So like, <laughs> which is, which is kind of funny. So like, Blizzard? Yeah. I, I won't stand in line for Blizzard. For Overwatch? Nah, yeah. Nah, Don't need it. No. Things like that, forget it. Yeah. And actually, uh, one year of PAX, I um was walking down, and there wasn't I, – I had never been to PAX. This was the first year I was at PAX. And there was these doors that I saw a couple people come in and out of, and I was like, oh, what is that? And I open up the door, and it's the exhibit hall, you know, where all the indie games and everybody mm-hmm. is. And I'm like, well, I'll just walk in. So I walk in and I'm walking around and I'm like, this is weird. There's like nobody here. I didn't realize there was a giant line amassed where you had to wait. I just walked into the main hall and no, there was no security. Nobody stopped me. And I was like, oh, Oculus Rift. I've been really wanting to try that. You know, <laughs> got in line, you know, and started talking to people. And they're like, oh, yeah, you must be media. You're here. Come on over. That's great. Like, oh, okay. it was during the press hours. Yeah. 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 So. <laughs> be adventurous that's the moral of the story oh I, I i told people that as well too when i went to i went to san diego for the first time last summer mm-hmm. and i went to chris gore's live podcast mm-hmm. that he was doing there and i've had chris on this show before too and he remembered who i was afterwards and stuff so after like the next day i knew he was going to be doing some stuff with howard stern's channel for like geek time and everything right so i dm'd him on twitter and was like where are you guys recording everything? And he told me the location and stuff. So I walked around the building. I'm like, I can't find this place, whatever. And then I saw the press area on the top floor. So I put my camera over my badge, uh-huh. pretended like I belong there, yeah. and walked right in. And we ended up seeing like a live broadcast by the Marvel DC creators and oh, awesome. Stern and everything. And there's there's a book and it, it its title escapes me now, but it's all about this guy who who teaches you social hacking. Mm -hmm. And it's pretty much based around the idea that people are inherently nice Mm -hmm. and that if you just look like you belong, Mm -hmm. ask questions and go with the flow, you can get anywhere you want. Yeah. 100% agree. Yeah. Yeah. It's worked for me many times. (laughs) (laughs) It's worked so far. Comes in handy. Um, One thing we do on the show every now and then, and this is kind of like a a geek litmus test just to see like where you uh, range on things. I'm going to give you a bunch of quick this or that categories. Uh, Just tell me which one is your preference and then we'll come back around and you can explain all of them. All right. Sounds good. So uh, Star Wars or Star Trek? I know. <laughs> this is this is a question on dating websites. Is it? It is. On, <laughs> I think it's on OKCupid. This, oh. is, this is a question. <laughs> I will say Star Trek. Okay. Star Trek. Zombies or robots? Zombies. Live action or cartoon? Cartoon. Xbox, PlayStation, or Nintendo? Nintendo. That was said with some trepidation. Uh, PC or Mac? P- um, I know. Are we? T- but I know you got to qualify later. But all right, I'll I'll say I'll say PC. Okay, and Marvel or DC? I'll give it to Marvel. All right, going back around. All right, Star Wars or Star Trek? You said Star Trek. Yes. You might be the first person on the show other than me that really that goes with Star Trek on he- that. Here's the thing. With Star Trek, have you watched the original original series? You haven't. Oddly have enough, I have not. Okay. I've seen all the movies, though, for the okay. original series. The original series is good. Quite a few of the movies are good. Next Gen is phenomenal. It is the best thing ever. Um, You know, the next, a couple of the Next Gen movies are good. The Star Trek remakes are good. Mm-hmm. I think Star Trek has built an amazing world of characters and has hit it out of the park more than they failed. Mm. Star Wars, and I'm just going by a movie, sure. kind of the the prime continuity. I'm yes. not talking about the the books or fan expanded or universe that is yeah, not yeah. canon anymore anyway. Yeah. So where Star Wars to me the original trilogy is wonderful, and in fact, uh, Return of the Jedi's climax has probably my favorite climax in almost any movie. Mm. Where you know. Darth Vader has that moment of moral ambiguity 
you know, what, what should he do? And lifts up the emperor and throws him over the, yeah, the, yeah. the railing. But episode one, two, and three, I'm not going to say how I feel about it. I'm just going to shake my head. Yeah. And that's it. Okay. So Fair enough. when half of your content isn't up to the rest, when it's lopsided, mm. it's like, you know, the kid on the playground. One kid is way up in the air and one kid is on the floor. Yep. Something wrong here. I'll give it a Star Trek. Okay. That makes sense to me. I agree with all those points. <laughs> uh, zombies over robots. Zombies are just really scary. Yeah. Yeah. You know, robots... If it was the apocalypse and the robot thing happened, you're fucked in 10 seconds. (laughs) You know, if Terminator really, like, happened, we are screwed like there's no tomorrow. Right. They will annihilate us. Unless we drop some worldwide uh, EMP, we're screwed. Unless it's something crazy. I mean, even, like, in the Matrix, they were like, we blocked out the sun, and they found a way around us. Right. but zombies, you can at least, they're, they're scary, and I think you can handle them. And if anything that The Walking Dead proves, the world is going to be a really interesting place. <laughs> so at least we'll have uh, interesting lives at uh, that point. Uh, at least at least we'll, we'll have, have couple, lives. Yeah, at least we'll have a couple fun weekends. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> As opposed to the uh, exponential growth of the robots and AI, uh, and that'll be a matter of an hour, maybe. Yeah, we'll, we'll be done. They'll They'll... Turn off the internet, and that'll kill most people right there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> My phone doesn't work. <laughs> uh, live action and cartoon. Yes. So there... It's such a weird question, it I is, know, too. Uh, well, there are things in an animated movie or animated show that you can do that you can't do with uh, live action. Mm-hmm. And I- I've seen samples of this side-by-side where, you know, they show a director trying to do something and it takes him 15 frames where an animated show it takes three frames. Mm-hmm. So cinematography-wise, there are things you just can do that you can't do in the other one. Sure. And I think because it's animated, your mind immediately accepts certain things mm-hmm. that might be way too far-fetched um, in real life. Right. So... I'd definitely go with animated. My simplest explanation is that instead of making things like with all the I mean, Marvel's doing a phenomenal job with it. Yes. But they have to make costumes and the looks of things match the world instead of an animated thing where you can build the world. Right. And since a lot of it is flat anyway, and we're creating dimensions that that brings up a good point. Yeah. Marvel in D.C. They're 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 D.C. I think does a really good job with animated movies. I agree. Marvel does a phenomenal job with live action. Agreed. But then you flip them, DC, other than Batman, and then Marvel. Yeah, their animated fare is not great. And I've thought about this for a while, and I think it's partially because Marvel's characters, and this will certainly segue right into the the next one, Mm -hmm. Marvel's characters are, are human. DC's characters are gods. Yes. Everybody on DC is a god. Yes. Even Batman, even though he's quote unquote human, he's a god. Sure. There's no question. He's infallible. Right. So bringing a god to an animated show is a lot easier than live action because of what I just said. Sure. Whereas bringing people like, you know, uh, uh, um, Tony Stark in the comic book is a drunk. Right. And bringing that into, you know, live action is a lot easier, you know, than it seems more believable in live action than it does in, in animated. Mm-hmm. And I, I think Marvel with the movies is just killing it. Yeah. Yeah. And that kind of answers your Marvel versus DC oh, as well. God. When, when they, you know, one of my favorite builds up, build up and crossover in the old Marvel comics is Infinity Gauntlet. Mm-hmm. And I still have them all. So when they finally announced that whole thing or when they, finally showed it at the end of the first Avenger movies. Sure. I was I was in my chair with my feet up and like smiling and laughing all giddy and everybody's <laughs> looking at me like this is purple alien. Right, right. I know. <laughs> you don't know what's coming. That's that's the greatest part of all of it. Like all those post scenes, you know who the geeks are yeah, right oh away because the stuff is so obscure that they're showing. Right. But and yet to us not obscure at all. No. 
but to a mainstream audience they're like yeah purple alien like when did barney become right, right. <laughs> armored and stuff right but yeah uh xbox playstation nintendo the the wince of the nintendo answer yeah so even though nintendo today isn't doing that well and not coming out with a crazy amount of stuff mm-hmm. i think still think their legacy library and what they built in the past is just so much the foundation for all modern gaming mm. That you just can't discount them. Yeah. I mean, there are games on old Nintendo systems that modern AAA games that they've spent millions of dollars on don't hold a candle to. That's pretty sad. Yeah. I would rather pick up the original 8-bit Legend of Zelda and play that through throughout the week or however long it takes me than a lot of the major AAA titles that come out. And I think... I think really that's because Nintendo is a video game making company. They yeah. make video games. Sony and Microsoft, they're console makers. They make True. the hardware. They're, yeah, they have a software house and they do that thing, but that's not really, that has never been their real focus. True. At least I True. don't think. And you don't have the others without Nintendo no. anyway. No. Do you know the uh, origin of the original PlayStation? Yes, I do. Uh, Nintendo and Sony, uh, Sony was going to build the hardware for mm-hmm. the Super Nintendo expansion pack. Um, and it was going to be a CD based system. And Sony wanted certain copyrights and control over mm-hmm. Nintendo's characters and products. And Nintendo was like, no. And Sony was like, well, we've done it this far. Let's, uh, just go put it out and, and build it. <laughs> yeah. You know, but. I think that it was really good for the market. Absolutely. I think it totally changed the dynamic. But at the same time, if Nintendo lightened up and made a CD-based Nintendo 64 instead of cartridge, right. the world would be a completely different place. Very true. It would be fascinating to see uh, how that timeline shifted differently. We would have still seen Final Fantasy games on Nintendo 64. But <laughs> at the same time, we would we would have never gotten – the games would have never grown up. No. They would have never become adult. You would have never saw Metal Gear Solid, you know, an adult game like that. True. It it never would have happened. True. And lastly, PC or Mac? I'm a gamer, and I'm a PC gamer. You know, I remember those old commercials. I'm a Mac, and I'm a PC. Right, right. Justin Long and, uh, uh, oh, crap. It's going to kill me, because I know his name as a comedian. Well. John Hodgman. That's it. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, uh, I play video games. Yeah. I play video games with my PC, and even if, as an operating system, every new iteration of Windows sucks, it still plays PC games. Yeah, it does. <laughs> <laughs> and it usually costs me to build a gaming PC several hundred dollars less and performs better than your 500 plus dollar overpriced Mac. There's all that proprietary stuff. Yeah, and... I mean, Mac caters to, like, a, a high-end, mid-level market, mm-hmm. and... You know, for what you're going to spend a thousand or fifteen hundred dollars for, I can build the same thing with a PC. Yeah, it's going to be a lot better. <laughs> yeah. Ah, all right, cool. Uh, so now we know where you stand on the important stuff. <laughs> uh, let's talk about your site a little bit and right. uh, what you're trying to accomplish there. You've started Geeks for the Win. Yes. And uh, what is what is the goal of your site? What's the aim here? So the goal of the site, I I, I talk to lots of people and um. I always found myself saying, hey, did you check this out? Did you see this, mm-hmm. this cool thing? And a lot of my friends were like, no, no, we're not a nerd. We don't read the same stuff you do. And I was like, well, you should be. Because um, <laughs> it's taken over. Because it's awesome. And so I had this idea. I said, well, everybody, lots of websites out there post or spotlight cool geek stuff. That's pretty common. But what started to get under my skin is I started to see – you know, art and cosplay and all these other things, then I'm like, who's behind this? Mm-hmm. You know, who's the person behind all of this work? Because it's not just appearing out of nowhere and it's not a faceless company mm-hmm. behind it. So I was like, let's slow things down and let's start to spotlight and start to reach out to these people and see if they want to talk about themselves mm-hmm. and see, you know, get kind of peek behind the curtain and that's what I started to do is is interview uh, 
what I think are three of the most passionate groups in a fandom, and that's fan artists, mm-hmm. uh, cosplayers, and indie game developers. Because you have fan artists that usually make nothing unless they do a commission piece right. off of right. you know their work, and they're doing it because they love it. You have cosplayers, while a very, very, very tiny portion do make money off of going mm-hmm. to cons every week. Even those people, I mean, a costume to put it together takes 80 to 100 hours at least. Yeah. And it's huge amounts of money that they're spending out of their pocket to put together this costume. So there you have someone who's got to love the source material, Mm got to know the source material, and love to do it. And then you have indie game developers that most of them are working two jobs and are up until, you know, two, three in the morning every day to try to put together a game. These are groups of people these in the in the fandoms that they really just love it. Yeah. And if they're that driven, what's their story like? What are they like? I want to know. I'm kind of curious. Mm. And so far it seems to be that other people are kind of curious too. So that's where it's starting off. Where it finishes, I have some ideas for the next I'd say year mm-hmm. to to kind of grow and and run things. Um, and again, just like the passionate people that are that I'm interviewing or talking to, I'm not in it for the money. Yeah, you know, it, it, would it be nice to get a paycheck from it one day? Sure, it, it means that I could focus 100 percent on that and not everything else. But it's fun. Yeah, it's just fun. Yeah. The interview process has been phenomenal so far, but, you know, right now I'm transcribing interviews, which I'm learning takes me weeks to put together. So I'm going to switch that up into a podcast format because it's just, it flows so much more naturally. It does. I mean, it really imagine does. trying to write our conversation down today. All the nuances oh that would my be lost. God. Yeah. yeah. Forget it. Um, so that's going to John happen. rolls his eyes at Rob again. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, it just, that's too much. It's, it's got to be a podcast. You just get more out of it that way. But I'll still do the blog postings. I'll still do, um, you know, all the spotlighting and, and checking out cool little articles and stuff like that. Um, I'm actually working on now a redesign for the site, which should be out by the end of the month. And then from there... I mentioned uh, I'm going to be doing a, a Twitch broadcast with friends and other people. And again, trying to do it with a different twist, mm-hmm. which is making themes for if you're going to do a broadcast. If you're going to do a broadcast co-op with Goldeneye. Sure. I want to see that. Absolutely. You know, and if I want to see that, there has to be at least 10 other people out there, I'm sure, that would love to check One that out. One would think. You know, so... um that's the way we're going to take it for now and, and, and see where it goes. Um, the other part that I'm thinking of long term is because I'm getting these artists to open up and talk to me, what can happen is collaboration. Yeah. So perfect example. I know you cosplay as a Batman. I do. And, um, I know you know someone who cosplays as Catwoman. <laughs> I do. Well, I know someone who cosplays as the Joker. Yep. And I'm sure we can find someone who does Mr. Freeze, Scarecrow, et cetera, sure, et cetera. Sure. But you don't have anybody, I feel like, in the community that's reaching out to these people and then orchestrating that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And again, it's not for money. It's just, I want to see cool shit. Right. Uh, that's it. I mean, I, I, at Anime Boston, um, there were three guys who were dressed up as Metal Man, Proto Man, and with fantastic and costumes. Uh, they were awesome. Those are not easy to do. No, and I ran up to those guys Im- immediately and had a total fanboy moment and offered to them. I said, "Look, uh, you teach me how. I will make one of the other master robots and be in costume. I would love to see." You know, Mega Man 2, all eight Master Robots plus Proto Man and Mega Man. That would be as a group. Really cool, yeah. But take it all a step further. Let's say you found, you know, someone who's good at directing and filming, mm-hmm. somebody who wrote, you know, a little fan script. Put together a little trailer, a little short film of all sure, those people. Sure. Do a Kickstarter where maybe you could make a full length uh, feature film film. Uh, um, I mean, those are lofty goals, but nobody's really a champion in the community for those kind of things. Mm-hmm. 
why not give it a try? Sure. We're, yeah, the, everyone's the, kind of doing their own independent the, stuff and not collaborating nearly as much. The the worst thing, it's kind of like, you know, dating. If you see a cute girl at the bar, mm-hmm. go up to her and ask. The worst thing that can happen is she's going to say no. Yeah. You're just right back where you were before. Are we on a date right now? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but that's the, that's the way I approach it. Yeah. And, yeah. And, you know, with, you know, talking to people in interviews, I just ask, right. I'm not doing anything special. I just ask and follow through. Yeah. Yeah. I, it's the same thing. I mean, all the, the, the reason you're on the show today, the reason that I've, I've met other cosplaying yeah. friends and had them on the show as well too, is just, Hey, what's up? <laughs> right. 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 I like what you do. Right. Tell me more. Exactly. You know? So. Yeah, that's 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 pretty much it. And, you know, where it goes, I mean, so far I've gotten really good feedback and um, people seem to like the interviews. Uh, so I'm just going to continue with it because, again, I like it. And, and you know, the, the site, the money I spend hosting and doing everything else, mm-hmm. I would just spend on games and movies anyways. So it's probably works out to be about the same. Right, you know? right. <laughs> Dude, I totally hear that. And and you get to a certain point, too. I mean, you start getting the stuff free anyway, and it yeah. kind of pays for itself in a way. You know, I, I mean, even just based on the experience of the short amount of time that I've been doing it, it's worth it. Yeah. Absolutely. Completely agree. And hopefully with uh, the support of people out there. That's that's the, you know. That's the trick. That's the trick. You know, it, you building an audience is tough. And even if you have something that's really good, mm-hmm. doesn't guarantee you're going to build an audience. Nope, not at all. Uh, that's where you have to be, you know, a little more crafty and creative. Um, me, like I said, I, I think I was born an introvert, but I learned to be an extrovert. And I'm, I'm sure. I'm very much the same yeah, way. Exactly. Yeah. You know, when I go to a con and I take a picture of someone, I immediately hand them a card or, you know, tell them how much I appreciate what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and just talk to people because that's that's how you grow. And like that already, you're separating yourself from a much more introverted community. Yeah, I mean, standing out. Who? I mean, there isn't a person on earth that if you don't go up to and take an interest in, that are going to shun away from that. Right. I mean, they're going to appreciate that as long as you're not doing it in a creepy way, you know, or whatever. Um. And I imagine the probably the only people who are sick of something like that are Holly, even Hollywood people, mm-hmm. you know, that get that all the time in the paparazzi and everything like that. If you go up to one of them and you're like, you know, Robert Downey Jr., for example, if you went up to him and was like, you saw him on the street and was like, dude, I love you as Iron Man. You you rock. You know, he'd be like, thanks. Yeah. And, you know? and, and if that's it, then that's it. That's it. But, that's it. It's yeah. just, you know, people that aren't of that status you have the ability to chat a little bit more with and are willing to open up. And, and for the people who have opened up so far, you know, I can't thank them enough because I've already got all these stories and things in my head and I'm looking forward to see what, what more will come. All noble goals. If you build it, they will come. Hopefully. (laughs) You know, the, the nice thing is too, I think people respond to a level of sincerity. Absolutely. And, that's that's what I go in with. I'm I'm just a big geek trying to learn and meet other geeks. Yeah, yeah. That's it. I feel like we're very much on the same page. <laughs> I see much collaboration in the future. <laughs> I do. Yeah, I have no doubt. I trust me, I'm looking around this room and I'm like <laughs> I think we're going to get along just fine. Yeah. <laughs> uh so on that note, if other people want to see all the stuff that you want to do, where can they check you out? Social media site, all that good stuff. Yep, yep. So, I would highly recommend going directly to the site which is uh, geeksforthewind.com. Um, you can like us on Facebook and Twitter, although Twitter, I haven't quite figured out yet. So Twitter is the least useful of all. It's going to be used. a barren wasteland. Mm-hmm. Like us on, on, on Facebook. That's, that's the way to show, um, your support for now, because then if you forget about us in a couple of weeks, you'll be like, Oh, Hey, look, a little cool post came up. I'm going to check out what else there is. Yep. Yep. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you for having me. Always a pleasure. Thanks again to John for joining me this week. Don't forget to check out his site at geeksforthewind.com. To see everything else that we do, head on over to thegeekgeneration.com. If you use iTunes, please rate the show and write a review. We always appreciate those. 
You can like us at facebook.com slash the geek generation and follow at geek generation on Twitter. Follow me on Twitter and Instagram at the night angel support the show by going to the geekgeneration.com slash support, send emails to podcast at the geekgeneration.com. And as always, the show theme is provided by machine supremacy. A link to their site can also be found on our site. We'll be back next week with new stuff for you. So we'll see you then later. Make it so.